This is an encore adventure in Artslandia. My friend Misty Tempolis put it this way. Though our beloved performances are on hiatus, Artslandia's mission to elevate and celebrate the arts remains steadfast. It seems more important than ever to keep our souls nourished. We are pressing ahead with our work to celebrate the confluence of human connection, even though its expression must temporarily shift. In this unique space of uncertainty, we've decided that the energy we usually pour into elevating the arts will go toward uplifting our community. Instead of cultivating engagement with the arts, we'll cultivate hope. We'll celebrate its power and the beauty of having, sharing, and believing in it. Check in daily to Artslandia.com for podcasts, good news, good reads, and happy hours. Why do we sound so good? Because we're at Dead Aunt Thelma's studio and Mike Moore is engineering for us. Thanks, Dead Aunt Thelma's. Thanks, Mike. Hey, everybody. I'm Susanna Mars, and welcome to Adventures in Artslandia. Today, I'm talking to Kenji Bunch. He's the artistic director of Fear No Music. Welcome. Thank you so much, Susanna. Yeah, thanks for coming. Fear No Music explores and performs the great music of the 20th and 21st centuries and also promotes education and the advancement of young composers. That's a really thrilling mission. It's a lot, yeah. Yeah, the the group has been around for, this is our our 26th season. Mm -hmm. And my wife, Monica Uchi, who's the executive director, Mm -hmm. she and I have been uh, involved in it since we moved back to... Portland five years ago from New York City, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's really been just so rewarding and um, invigorating and fun to, to be a part of the, the group and to kind of uh, imagine the next chapter for what the group does and what our mission is. I mean, it, it, it has changed a bit. It's evolved mm-hmm. as um, new music is constantly evolving. Uh, the The name of our group, Fear No Music, uh, what it meant when the group started was, at at that time, uh, people were were kind of afraid of new music and uh, justifiably so in, mm. in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of the music written in what we think of as the post war era was. Uh, extremely uh, intense, and I mean, it, just, it was dense, very, very academic, uh, very uh, kind of structure oriented. It was a, a lot about the architecture of the the music uh, more than uh, I want to be careful about what, I, but it, that that was kind of more the point than the listening experience. Mm. Uh, and it was hard for audiences to to know what to listen for. Hmm. Um, music has changed a lot since then. I'm talking about the 50s through the 70s. and in, in the 80s, it, it started to, to really change. Mm-hmm. And now uh, there are a lot more new music groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and it, we find that music written today is really kind of driving... Uh, an invigorating traditional classical music mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, uh, both on the orchestral level. I mean, if you look at the work uh, the Oregon Symphony is doing, um, some of the the most um, compelling programs have involved newer works. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at 
the most uh, innovative orchestras in the country, which all kind of happen to be on the West Coast, like mm -hmm. uh, L.A. and San Francisco and Seattle, um, in, in addition to, to Oregon Symphony. Um, you find it's it's the new music that's that's sort of driving the bus right now, and mm -hmm. and the same thing happens in chamber music, which is what our group focuses on. Mm. Um, it's music written today by people who are experiencing the world as we do, who look like us, who um, are uh, really from all backgrounds, and and that's um, that I think is what. Uh, the remaining piece of that for the, the idea of fearing music, we want to break down any perceived barriers of uh, who, who's writing the music. Mm. Uh, you know, we, we want to um, kind of change people's uh, expectations for what a composer should look like. Um, and it, it's been really interesting to get into that work um, we program music uh, this season uh, exactly 50 a little more than 50 percent of our of the composers we're performing are women mm. um, and probably about 30 to 40 percent are people of color so mm -hmm. it's uh, uh it, it it really gets us uh going to mm try to uh, confront those issues. It's interesting because I, as a theater artist, I think about, you know, how these various art forms are, are morphing. Mm. And in the past, when the makers and the uh, patrons of these arts were high on the wealth scale, a lot of people, not a diverse audience, nor diverse makers, and addressing that inequity is mm -hmm. so exciting yeah. And and it's funny when you said earlier, you know, those earlier composers didn't take into account the listener. Mm. And that just sounds kind of like, you know, mansplaining or, <laughs> you know, it's just that that these composers yeah. were entitled artists, many of them, probably undoubtedly not all. But, you know, there's a sense of I'm making art, listen to it. And now taking into account who's listening is it's really exciting. It is. Yeah. And, you, you know, I. I I think it had a lot to do with the Cold War, actually, and uh, the sort of American insecurity about our, you know, there's Sputnik and, mm -hmm. you know, what were... Competition. We didn't, right. And and so you see a lot of um, grant money and a lot of uh, uh, teaching positions going to uh, people writing this, this very cerebral style. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in fairness, I, I think there's a lot of uh, really talented... Composers who are great craftspeople uh, in that style, but um, yeah, it's I think an exciting time now where stylistically things are really up for grabs, and mm -hmm. you, you can it, it's a fun time to be a composer. Mm -hmm. You can um, kind of pick from any of those uh, isms of the twentieth century and um, add them to cre create your own personal vocabulary for the music you want to write. Oh, that's exciting to talk about also because people may not know that you're also a composer. Right, I am so a composer. So speaking of vocabulary, how would you define your own composing vocabulary? That's really interesting. Well, I, about. yeah, I mean, I guess I, I sort of do what I, I was just uh, describing. I, mm -hmm. I, um, I don't feel particularly um, beholden to a certain kind of uh, approach. 
I, I tend to work in, in tonality or in some version of it anyway. And um, really with my music, I, I'm mainly interested in telling stories and sharing um, emotion with, with people. Uh, it, it's uh, how I like to connect with, with people. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I, I am always sort of searching for um, the humanity and whatever I'm, I'm working in. Sometimes that means humor. Sometimes it's um, uh, a great expression of um, sadness or joy or whatever. Uh, but I, I, I try to um, just uh, experience that, if, if that mm. makes any sense. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, what are you working on now, or are you working on a piece now? I'm finishing up a concerto for... Uh, piano, but uh, left hand mm. piano. So, well, now uh, that's interesting because your wife's a pianist. Yeah, why she's don't a you want pianist, her but... right hand playing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually not writing this one for my. I, I have written her a con- uh, piano concerto mm-hmm. for, for two hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is for a pianist named Michael Coonrod mm-hmm. um, in uh, Michigan, who uh, is uh, at the moment specializing in, in left hand repertory injured his right hand oh fascinating and, um, yeah there's a a precedent for that there there's a, a pretty famous pianist uh, Wittgenstein in the early 20th century who lost his I believe his arm in uh, World War one mm. and uh, commissioned a, a lot of composers and famously Ravel wrote a, a left-hand piano concerto for for Wittgenstein oh that's so interesting and a beautiful piece yeah um and so it was sort of inspired by this, uh, by the Ravel. Uh, he he said, you know, I want to play a concerto, and uh, I want it for left hand piano. Yeah. So it's a really interesting challenge as a composer to try to uh, create the illusion of more than one hand doing stuff on the the piano. Oh, that's fascinating! So, yeah. <laughs> so obviously, left hand, you know, runs the gamut. Can yeah. play the whole keyboard. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I'm gonna have to look that up. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, it's fun. And Monica helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's played some left hand repertoire, and, mm-hmm. and uh, she kind of showed me some tricks I could use. And, oh, uh, neat! Had me look at some pieces that worked really well. Oh, uh, that sounds yeah. like fun. So, what are some of the pieces that come to mind if I'm new to contemporary music? A couple of pieces that would give me some insight into the genre. Yeah. Well. I, I think the most important thing uh, with new music is is just to come into it with an attitude of of not uh, feeling like you need to overthink anything, um, and to just experience it on face value. Take whatever whatever reaction you have to it is completely legitimate and mm-hmm. <laughs> and fine. Um, I, I don't believe that you need a a lot of uh prior experience with the the genre to to get something out of it and to mm-hmm. enjoy it um, when i think about contemporary music too i like thinking about that whole world of you know opening the piano and doing things to the piano that aren't ordinarily done and those types of things are really fun to see in person but then they're not maybe as impactful when it's a recording that you're listening to? Yeah, well, that's, it's interesting you mentioned that. Uh, one of the first experiences with new music I remember 
when I was, uh, I think, about eight or nine years old, my my dad took me to a, a performance of uh, John Cage solo piano oh. music with a lot of the prepared piano work. Mm-hmm. And I was just a little kid, and I loved it. Mm. It was just so much fun. And, uh, you know, there were some funny things. And, and I think um, we forget about that piece of it uh, at a new music concert where we, we feel like we have to be super serious and, mm-hmm. and act smart. And, and it, it, I don't think it's about that. I think it's about uh, just genuine, um, having authentic reactions to what you're experiencing. What a fun thing to see as a young person, because it really blows out the sides of how we behave at concerts. And yeah. speaking of beginner's mind, you know, just saying this is fun and people invent stuff and we don't have to participate in any rules of engagement Exactly. Music. And from that age, I every time I went to a concert, which uh, I'm very lucky was pretty frequently, my parents took me to a lot of concerts, um, I would always be the most excited about whatever the kind of newer piece was that I knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I loved just not knowing what to expect, uh, especially if it was a brand new thing, no one knew what to expect. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there's nothing more... Um, fun and, and weirdly comforting to me than uh, having uh, no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy that too. And it's almost as though, you know, you curate a season and your subscribers and people who come and see shows just trust your judgment and your expertise. Yeah. And that's well, fun. It, it is. And I, I take that piece of it seriously i mean it is a lot of trust that people put in my judgment of what i think is worth their time mm-hmm. to listen to and and people's attention is, is such a valuable commodity these days you know it's hard to to get people's attention mm-hmm. uh, for more than a few minutes and uh, to ask them to sit and listen to music uh, for an hour or two is is a big thing to ask and mm-hmm. so I, I have a lot of uh, respect for that that part of the job. Yeah. Now I know you have a couple kids. I do. Do yeah. you in, do you ask them their opinions about the various pieces? And I'm sure they they offer their opinion whether you ask or not. They they do, <laughs> and I I love their reactions to stuff. Oh, it's it, neat. It's, yeah, it, it's really it's really great. That's funny you mentioned that. This morning we played Christmas songs for uh, a class of uh, three year old preschoolers. Oh. And. And they had, uh, you know, it's just so much fun. They're so cute. And then this one kid came up to me afterwards, big smile on his face. Mm-hmm. And he goes, he goes, you are so boring. Oh. <laughs> and I wasn't expecting it at all. But it, it was awesome. Oh, it's so great. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, okay. So now, did you play with your wife? Yeah. yeah oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Oh, that's so much fun to share music with young people. Um, and your compositions have been performed by over 50 American orchestras, I read. And, and I wonder, what are the subjects and the experiences that have moved you to write most? Well, what I've realized is lately, um, and I guess lately, by lately I mean the last decade or so, mm-hmm. I've been kind of veering in this direction um, both in the music I write and the way I've been kind of programming uh, Fear No Music in the last couple of seasons. Um, I, I'm most interested in uh, music that has some kind of 
connection to uh, important issues uh, mm-hmm. today of uh, social justice, or uh, you know, something that has a, an extra musical element that that we can relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, in the the music I've been writing for orchestra, um, I like, as I said, I like to tell stories, and uh, I'm. I've always been interested in history, and I find myself more interested in uh, the history and the, the stories of of people whose story is often not uh, told uh, or listened to. There's so many. Yes, there's so many. So many stories out there. Yeah. Um, it, 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 right, and I, I just I feel if I can bring some. Um, incremental amount of attention and respect to uh, honor these stories, um, then that that's uh, you know that that gets me up in the, the morning. Yeah. Do you feel yourself drawn to specific Pacific Northwest stories since you're here in Portland? Um, uh, a little bit. I I wrote a piece um, last year for the Peter Britt Festival, and mm-hmm. they had asked for something related to the region of Southern Oregon. I ended up writing a, a piece about uh, Bigfoot. Oh. <laughs> it's called Song of the Sasquatch. Oh. Um, and, uh, uh, but I, I, what I really wanted to do uh, was somehow write about um, the history of the native people in that, that region, mm-hmm. uh, which anyway, you slice it is, is awful. It's mm-hmm. just a horrendous, tragic uh, yeah mm-hmm. um and uh but at this, i didn't i felt it wasn't the right time i mean they, they're asking me to write something about it. i didn't want to like bum everybody out with this mm-hmm. so uh sasquatch is kind of a, a metaphor for um uh it, it was this work about empathy and how uh we're imagining uh the Bigfoot to be a, a, a being with emotions and uh, you know experiences love and sadness and um, uh, so it it was an interesting piece but that's sort of what I've uh, done with with Northwest issues I've I've written um, work that touches on uh, the uh, Japanese internment. Mm. Uh, which of course was all over the Northwest, and um, yeah, we'll see what else uh, there is to to tell. And you play the viola. Yeah, I do. And yep. so, as an orchestral composer, you really have to have firsthand knowledge of every instrument in the orchestra. Yeah, I I love to collect instruments, mm. and um, do you try to play them all? I like to at least know what it's like to make a sound mm-hmm. on them mm-hmm. uh, or just to have some idea of that experience of producing a sound on, on every in- instrument. Um, and yeah, I think that's the the most important thing when you're composing for orchestras is, is trying to imagine a person playing everything you're writing mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and never losing sight of that human part of it. <laughs> mm, that's so interesting. Yeah, it must be fascinating to listen to your pieces played by various orchestras, just in terms of how they sound. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Different and, humans. And having um, spent some time in orchestras, uh, I, I, 
feel like I have a unique uh, perspective on, on what what it's like for them <laughs> to be playing that. So. Yeah, interesting. Do you wonder sometimes when they look at your piece for the first time what they say to themselves? Oh, I, I yeah, I, I wonder all the time. I mean, um, uh, knowing from experience of, of being an orchestra, as a composer, you, you have like a window of maybe 30 seconds mm-hmm. to get the orchestra on your side mm-hmm. and get them to to respect you and and if if you if you blow it then it's, it's hard <laughs> it's a hard road what's coming up on the season that you're really excited about for fear no music well um what uh, we're really excited our next concert is coming up on the 21st of mm-hmm. january mm-hmm. and um it's our yearly concert that focuses on local composers we call it locally sourced sounds this is, of course, a, a region uh, celebrated for its uh, abundance of um, food and, uh, you know, ingredients to uh, cook with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we make the case that it's also abundant in uh, creativity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, clearly, in, in literature, there's a it's a hub, mm-hmm. uh, and I think in in music as well. Mm-hmm. And so we. We dedicate a concert each season to uh, composers in the region who are living and working among us. How do you come to curate these? There's so many. There are so many. And this is probably the most fun concert to program each year because Mm -hmm. um, you make people happy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Because generally composers are are happy if you want to play their music. Right. And so I can approach people and say, hey, can we play your music? Oh, that must be fun. And so Yeah, it's it's fun. Um, and now that uh, it's gotten easier every year also mm-hmm. because uh, now that w- we've been in the community for a while, we kind of know people better and, and mm-hmm. um, have met more composers. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be really, really fun. What's uh, exciting about this season's uh, Locally Sourced Sounds is... Uh, I'm programming two works by two members of our group. Oh, that's incredible. Uh, who, as it turns out, are also members of the Oregon Symphony. Mm-hmm. Uh, principal cellist Nancy Ives mm-hmm. is also a composer, studied composition and is a prolific composer. Mm-hmm. And she's going to play uh, works from a, a suite for solo cello that she's writing uh, uh, as a response to the Bach cello suites, which oh. are... A, a huge influence for any cellist. Right. And um, principal clarinetist uh, James Shields, mm. a wonderful new clarinetist who's been here for a couple of seasons now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also a fantastic composer. He, he wrote a string quartet that uh, our, our string quartet's going to play the Portland premiere of. So. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah, yeah it should be fun. Oh, what a great New Year's. What a great way to start New Year's. Yeah. Yeah. So... I know you travel a lot because of your work. And do you have any fun, creative ways you stay in touch with your kids and wife when you're out of town? I know I travel in my work as well, and I was thinking about this when I yeah. spoke to another actress who travels a lot. Well, uh, to be honest, I I have traveled uh, significantly less since mm-hmm. the, the kids have been... Um, at, at least uh, last year, I think I missed maybe one or two bedtimes because of being out of town. That's impressive. So yeah, it was a commitment. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really made an effort to to um, to do that, and and it's it's hard because you always wonder, oh, what if nobody asked me to go out and do things? And so, mm-hmm. 
but uh, I, I don't want to miss out on that stuff. So right. uh, one thing I did do um, last summer, I think it was, I was, um, I was away and uh, I wanted to send them something. So I, there's this little app <laughs> on my phone that mm-hmm. I could, um, I think it's called acapella and you hmm. can, uh, you can sing and overdub yourself. So it has like a split screen of four. It's like the Brady Bunch opening. Oh my like gosh, four that sounds great. Faces of, of yourself uh-huh. singing four different parts, and and so I I, I did that um, uh, thing from the Muppets, the Manamana song. Manamana. Yeah. So I sent. Who that doesn't to know them. that one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, they they got a kick out of it. How were you drawn to the viola in the first place? Um, well, I started on the violin mm-hmm. and the piano. Mm-hmm. And, um, and my brother, I have a, a brother's year older, and he uh, played the same instruments. We, we both played violin and piano. And part of it was I wanted to do something slightly different uh, from my, my brother just to have some little thing that sibling I rivalry yeah, well his name's genji mm-hmm. i should mention uh, so uh, we were very alike in, <laughs> in a lot of ways um but the other part of it is uh i had heard a rumor that the portland youth philharmonic was going to go on a, a trip to europe mm. and i thought wow i want to go to europe uh so so i auditioned on the violin and they said, well, that, that's very nice, but we don't need an, another violinist at the moment. Mm. Um, you could join the uh, kind of training, the younger orchestra. And when we need someone, we'll bring you up. Um, uh, but if you wanted to switch to the viola, we could use it right away. Necessity, so, the yeah. mother of invention. So I said, hey, I'm switching to viola. I'm in. So, <laughs> that's great. Um, I'm curious, what's the last thing you saw or experienced that inspired you? Not necessarily to compose, but just, you know. You know, um, what it was, uh, it was Bravo Youth Orchestras. Yes. Um, and I, if anyone, and look, we all go through uh, peaks and valleys and, you know, our own work and and um, sometimes it, you get kind of burnt out and uh, just deflated about stuff. And and I, I was in that kind of space uh, mm-hmm. recently, uh, just with my own work. It, it was it was going slow, and just uh, you know, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. And and I I went. I Bravo had me visit their rehearsals, and mm-hmm. and actually our last concert we just had involved. Um, uh, Bravo! They they performed. Uh, they have a a group they call uh, collective composition, mm. um, and it's these kids who are creating their own original music together as a group. It's amazing. It is. It, it's 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 so inspiring. Mm-hmm. And um, you know they they're thanking me for my visit. Like, what? I, I got a, way more out of, out of it than they did. I had a similar experience when I went and visited the Vancouver arts and academic school the other day mm. and did a musical theater masterclass. And uh, I felt so heartened by it. And, and I just showed up at work that night for a show with a, just a whole new lease on life. 
Yeah. And it's it is same. It. You know, they're oh thank you, we're so fortunate. I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, you don't realize yeah. Yeah. you just gave me such a lift. Yeah. And it's exciting. So many arts organizations are doing this kind of work in our community that's we've just rethought, I think, or maybe not rethought, but we're being given the opportunity to reach into the community in a way that's very contextual. Yeah. And it feels like medicine for today. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. It, it, we want to feel like what we're doing is actually useful in some way. Or right. Helpful. And, and it's funny, too, because in this weird cultural world that we live in of one experience leads to, leads to, leads to, thinking about movement, quote unquote, forward. Yeah. But the reality of so many of these arts experiences is, as you said at the, at the beginning, just experience this, mm-hmm. be with this, because what I'm learning, certainly, and I know I talk to a lot of artists about it, is just being in the world and experiencing what it is to be human, Yeah, that's maybe all we have. It, there's really no there there. <laughs> right. It's here. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And yeah. that just, it's hard to unwind what the culture's teaching us and kids, but I think that the kind of reach that you have and Bravo Youth Orchestra and all sorts of wonderful programs where kids have an opportunity to just experience being with beautiful things that human beings make. Yeah. It's incredible. (laughs) Well, there we go. Inspiration. We hit that. So do you have any New Year's resolutions? Uh, Every year I try, I I think to myself, okay, I'm going to get better at email. (laughs) Again, (laughs) it's that, no. And I don't know what it, it's just so hard to stay on top of that stuff. I know. (laughs) I I wax and wane about it, you know, I think, okay, I'm going to get back. And then I think, well, I've just got to have faith that the emails that I'm supposed to return, I'm going to return them and everything is going to, it's going to work out. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. You know, you can look at all sorts of things happening at Fear No Music at fearnomusic.org. Go see the concert in January. Come see contemporary music. Experience it. And you don't have to do anything about it. Exactly. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you so much, Susanna. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to Adventures in Artslandia. 